Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to take a look at some of the international rugby from the south, then we'll head north to Northampton, where we'll be joined by England and British and Irish Lions for Courtney Laws to discuss his return to Saints and their unbeaten start to the season. So sit back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. How's your week been, lads? Go on, Jim. How was your weekend, son? All good. I don't know who goes first and who goes second, but nonetheless, it was good. Interesting weekend that I need to share with you. And lads, we know it's been 18 months or so, whatever it's been, lost count now. I've been stuck in the house, on Zoom. We've been out a little bit. So I've, I've been out a little bit, but not like out, out. Or I've been out, out a couple of times, but not yeah. out, out working. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, it was my first night on the after dinner circuit again on that scene again oh wow now yeah it was andrew i know you've done a few and we've had i think one live show yeah um in the last 18 months but that was it that was like my big moment to get back out there peacock put myself peacock, peacock get out there take the new material out to the masses that i've been thinking about during the last 18 months smash it and that could be the start of basically Jim the Comedy Genius Hamilton tour of Scotland. Yeah, and it went down like a shit sandwich. How did you know? <laughs> did it really? Tumbleweeds. Absolute really? tumbleweeds. I'm gutted. I mean, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, I looked a million fucking dollars. You I did looked, look sharp. You did yeah. look sharp. Again, I've not wore the glad rags. So this is what I've been trying to get out to the millions. I'd be tartan trues on, be black watch trues. I'd be velvet jacket on. I had my new high-collared Italian shirt. Smelt amazing. Looked amazing. Absolutely bombed. <laughs> Did you not put the old red suede jacket on again? Maybe that's why they didn't laugh at you. I could have walked in there, start bollock naked. I don't think they were going to laugh at me. I'll be honest. Let me just set the scene. A big shout out to Lindsay rugby club in glasgow for inviting me along so this is not a slight on them they're absolutely amazing hosts the hoster being me weren't so great 
Now, Nigel Owens pulled out about three or four weeks before. I get called up, and the, the guys that listen, big shout out, Mike, to you, who listens to the podcast, and there's about 20 or 30 younger lads who weren't going to the event when Nigel Owens was booked, but when they heard that Big Jim from the Rugby Pod was going, they came out in their droves, all 30 of them. Uh, amen. A- amen. So I'm thinking, if there's a big Rugby Pod contingent here, they know what they're getting. They want blood. They want the rabbit story. They want podcast stories. No, they don't. No, they no, they don't. No, they don't. They might, but the masses of 300 people are in there did not want that. Andrew. Oh, no. Oh, no. Andrew. Now, the whole part of comedy and stand-up and after dinner speaking, you've got to take the rough with the smooth, right? And you've got to be... I always say, yeah, people are like, what happens when it doesn't go well? You've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, is how I say it. That's the analogy. Well, I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I hit them with an apology why Nigel Owens wasn't there. And then... I've gone straight into it. I've tried to. I've go. I've got this story about what it is to be Scottish and how Kelly Brown has got a girl's name and his dad's English and his mum's Irish and he's not Scottish. And John Barclay was born in Hong Kong, so he's Chinese. That didn't go down well. I hit them with the Northern Hebridean accent, the capital of Scotland, Swindon. Apologise for my Scottish accent. Didn't go Nothing. down well. Nothing. Hit them. So I thought, right, this crowd is getting it. They are getting the Rabbitgate story from 2015 World Cup that made us go viral. Shit sandwich. Tumbleweeds. <laughs> so I've thought the only way back here, the only way back here is the Andy Good start of the podcast, hair transplant, but should have got a gastric band. I thought that, if that's not going to get them, <laughs> nothing, nothing well. well. And it didn't. Shit. <laughs> not even, not even a whisper. Oh, no. Do you know, I brought it back just, I brought it back just. I went down the rugby, hashtag rugby family, values, inclusion, loved it. They absolutely loved it. There we go. So at the end, with sweat beading off my head, my armpits were leaking, the velvet jacket, <laughs> which was a just off black colour, was now dark black. I've hit them with hashtag rugby values and I've absolutely gone down a storm. If only someone would have said to start the speech with that and maybe hit them with the rabbits and the gastric bands at the end and we did a quick Q&A and some young lad from the back shouted biggest bush you or goody and I tried to go into this story about bushes and pubic hair and you know when you just read the room yeah I chopped my pint and walked off and that was it that was, it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. that was the end so oh, yeah so big shout out to Lindsay raising some funds for the clubhouse you arguably Shouldn't have given me my fee, but maybe you should have paid me double. I don't know what happens, but there nonetheless, well, it took them, me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, tell them next year I'll uh, I'll do it for them and see if we can get even less laughs out, shall we? Well, we've been invited back to do a, a live podcast with Mike and his mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just two guys. Yeah, nice. Because they Lovely. love us. Yeah. We're talking about Bush. I was up at Leicester Tigers on uh, Saturday hosting the corporate, and I bumped into the ultimate Bushman. Yog. No, who's got the ultimate bush in rugby? Jordan the, Murphy. But that, we've Jordan e- Murphy. That, that we've ever seen. Coza. The original. Yeah, Martin Corrie. Cosa, me old bush. Uh, bumped into him. So he is, if anyone says, you know, we've gone through the guess the go at. Yeah. Really, that's how we should, you should have started that. You should have said, Jim, a quick one, guess the go at, biggest bush. I would have said Cosa. There we go. So I apologise for my delivery there, James. But uh, yeah, saw him. Interviewed Richard Hill, England team manager, ex-Saracens back rower. And he confirmed, I'm pretty sure he confirmed, 
Um, maybe not in so many words, but the feeling I got was Eddie Jones listens to this podcast every week. So Eddie, how are you, son? Good couple of days in camp, apparently. He definitely listens to it, Jim. I've, I am not even in any doubt in my mind, albeit, <laughs> albeit vulnerable, and I've been broken down this weekend. I'm in no doubt that Eddie Jones listens to this. Eddie, hello, mate. Uh, so yeah, good good weekend up at Leicester. Hell of a finish that game. We'll get onto that later. Um, and then family day Sunday. Pablo cooked a hell of a roast chicken on Sunday. My folks came over. Talking of chickens and turkeys and carvery. Yeah. Have you ever been to my old tribal tattoo, Toby Carvery? A I Toby mean, Carvery, absolute mongrel, mate. I am in. <laughs> I have not been to. A, I don't reckon you've been. This is why it is. It doesn't sound the best. It's basically an all-you-can-eat Toby Carvery, but you don't get to eat all the meat that literally you need a chainsaw to cut. But <laughs> with four kids not wanting to cook, it, it, it was an absolute breeze. It was a bottomless Coke and Fanta, which the kids aren't allowed, and it was bottomless veg, which the kids don't want. <laughs> But I was loving it. I was absolutely loving it. So big shout out to Toby Carvera. Nice. Today I was back in the gym. I say back in the gym. Were I you? went for a yeah, I went for a spin class today. We're going on holiday in a couple of weeks, so I need to shift about ten kilos. Can you do that in a couple of weeks? Do you reckon? Um, I, with your diet, I don't think so. <laughs> no, so okay. I, don't really <laughs> I know tweak tweak meals have been absolutely dominating. But yeah, I was back in spinning again this morning. I've got two apologies to make to. My fellow classmates, uh, first and foremost, Jim, and you'll appreciate this. I've got to apologise to them. I absolutely dominated the spin class. Now, it doesn't matter that all the women in there were over 60 years of age, but I absolutely dominated all these women in the spin class. And you taught me about this, about you know the leaderboard when you see it, when you're doing the spin class and you've got that interaction with the leaderboard. And I'm just flying. So I apologise to all those women. A little bit like I felt a little bit like you, Jim, when you played against India back in the day, and you scored that hat-trick, one from about 60 metres out, you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you? Exactly right. Andrew, you can go as hard as you can go, but if people ain't going that hard, then your (laughs) go in hard is very hard. Yeah, exactly. So I dominate that. But then I've got to apologise to all those women as well, because off the back of Pablo's roast chicken on Sunday... When you have the stuff in, tell the farts that the next day. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. <laughs> Sage and onion stuffed oh in farts. I mean, I just filled the room with absolute pace and power on the bike, but also absolute power <laughs> coming out of my ass as well. So <laughs> two apologies to anyone that was in my spin class this morning. It was Pablo's fault, is all I'm saying. Well, the start of my weekend wasn't quite as uncomfortable as Jim's, but it was still unpleasant watching the All Blacks go down to the now number one side in the world, the Springboks. What did you guys make of that game? What about my tweet after? Uh, absolutely loved it dangling the carrot and the it's so funny watching the interactions I almost bet on that I almost bet on that well d- tell me why because, no because I knew what you were doing what, what what I said it straight I said the number one team in the world have just beaten the All Blacks yeah there's correct, nothing wrong James. with that. it's correct but very it's, true but then what are you biting at then this is the thing this is the hilarious thing I've put it out there the one message the one comment that sticks out when the box play what's on the in front of them Instead of kicking the leather off it, they are hard to beat. Frank Jacobs, he knows when an expert puts a tweet out there in the public <laughs> domain. And that's the only one that I saw. But there was a bit of hate there. But I love South Africa. And this is the whole thing. I've seen a lot of lads and ladies out there passing judgment, passing opinion. A lot of professionals, players, saying that they don't like the way that South Africa play. Tins, Mike Tindall, he said something about it. I love it. I love the way that South Africa play. I'm a rugby purist. I'm a rugby genius. Did I say genius? You did. Um, Genius. And Springboks should have, and if it wasn't for Luke Pearce's decision, 
beaten the All Blacks in the game before. So if they would have lost that game, Matt Carley, I would have been at, not like Luke Pearce, where Luke Pearce called the scrum advantage over with a kick. Matt Carley, in my opinion, made a couple of big, big decisions. Francois Staines, rip at the end. Yeah. Uh, where he ripped the ball before the tackle was complete. Penalty, which got them back in. Touch and go, touch and go. Yeah, I don't think it was touch and go. His, his knees weren't on the ground. It weren't touch and go, IMO. I think it was definitely, so, definitely a genuine rip. Oh, Andy, right. Yeah, no, it's a it's a genuine rip, but it's where it's what he does. It's where he's ripped it. If you ripped it on the floor, you can't do that. So he was deemed. No, to have, so he was deemed that he thought he ripped it on the floor. But it isn't that one decision that obviously it's easy to say if someone misses a tackle or gives a penalty away at the end of the game, like that penalty for the for, uh, for the All Blacks that gave South Africa the penalty to win the game in front of the sticks. That isn't the reason why the All Blacks lost the game. So it's easy to pick out individual decisions. Obviously, yeah. the way the game maps out or whatever, but. The thing is with the Springboks is the physicality, as we saw with the Lions. Uh, the kicking is almost like a 50-50. That ball goes up in the air. You know, you've got Jordy Barrett, who by, in my opinion, <laughs> the genius, is one of the best players in the world at the minute. Now, e even for him, it's probably a 50-50 whether or not he's taking them high yeah. balls when Faf puts them up. Do, do you know what I mean? So I, don't, I know that players and fans don't like the way the Springboks play, but the physicality, and they actually opened up a little bit at the weekend against the All Blacks and <laughs> the best team in the world won. Yeah, they did. They did. And a couple of things. Lacanio Ams round the back offload for the first try. Yes. Just um, like, he looks like the coolest dude ever, the way he plays. He never looks flustered, never sweats, never seems to be out of breath or anything. Absolutely cool. shredded. You see the pictures on social media yeah. going round. Shredded. I bet he's hung like an absolute horse as well. I mean, <laughs> of course, I'm without doubt, without doubt. <laughs> I'm telling you that, like the ball round the back to do that under that pressure when he's hardly, ball back. Yeah, he has a ball back. Look, yeah, flick round the back door. Unbelievable skill, and that obviously went to Nicosi, and then he hands it on to Diolande to score. Dwayne Vermeulen was ridiculous. I mean, yeah. he's monstrous, isn't he? He was just. Smashing boys, carrying big. Uh, great to see him back. And, you know, uh, Ulster fans will look forward to seeing him pull on their jersey because he's, he's a monster. He can go. Yeah. He can go. You want someone to go, he can go. And then the whole time, Jim, when I'm watching it, every time my Pimpy comes in, my Pimpy, that's all I can think of. Just the old scream. Do it for us, Jim. My Pimpy. <laughs> there you go. Every time he's anywhere near it, I'm giving it big licks on that. So, um, yeah, it was. listen, it was a hell of a test match, wasn't it? You know, number one in the world, that was on the line again. The All Blacks were going for six straight in the rugby championship and, and to go unbeaten. And everyone's been criticising South Africa. But when you actually hear about what they've had to go through over the last... And it, it makes you think a bit. We're just judging the game at the weekend that we see on the box. You know, on, on Stan Sport and Sky, whatever it is. How good is Stan Sport, by the way? Yeah, it is. It is. Big shout yeah. out to Justin Harrison. I know our mate and friend of the show, Drew Mitchell, is involved in that. But yeah. in terms of commentary, I Mertz. was... Mertz is really good. Andrew Mertz. Mertz is class. Absolutely yeah. class. But that's, they've got the right people there, which from us watching on the other side of the world and maybe the fans not watching it week in, week out, Southern Hemisphere rugby, I thought they did so well in terms of bringing yeah. character and yeah, definitely. whatever the, the, it, yeah. the only downside, The only downside to it... It's not a downside, really. The only thing I will say, uh, Campo, who's on pitch side, just needs to tuck his collar in. Like he's always looks like he's scruffy. Sort yourself out, Campo. And we've been we've been on Hong Kong with him. He's probably he going hates around. Me. He absolutely <laughs> hates. Me. Does he? Why? He's probably just going around giving stickers out for his academy <laughs> for that he was doing. Hong Kong. 
Yeah, every time we're in Hong Kong, me and Goody uh, are hosting. Big shout out to Hong Kong as well. I'm just giving shout outs left, right, and centre. Ten April. pound in the pot. First weekend of so April. April's mate. on. Yeah. So we're always there with Campo, and I just apologise before he comes up. One, because when he played, it was in black and white TV, and it was amateur rugby. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, people are there to hear it, rugby stories. They don't want to hear about rugby camps, Campo's super skills, or whatever it is. So he gets absolutely rinsed and he's looking at me he's got he knows I'm one of the greatest Scots, Scots to have ever done it but he ain't feeling it anyway so yeah, love you Campo did you guys see Rusty celebrating at home in his pants and a few beers Mate, oh, oh my pants I mean fair play still got some legs on him like when you retire Jim your legs have disappeared and not that you had any anyway genetics my god Rusty still got some quads on him when he wants them but yeah he just He's got a couple of beers in the morning, very early morning in South Africa, and he's got his pants on on the sofa. I mean, who who doesn't do that? The best bit about it, though, that's how he's dressed, yet he's got a video link straight into the coach's box on his laptop. So I, I was just expecting to see a bit of bush pop out the bottom, maybe sometimes when you just got your boxes on, the old boy pokes out. I, that's what I was hoping for, really. But he's he's got his laptop. He's watching the game. He's got his laptop, a direct video link into the coach's box. Does he? He's there and he's... Yeah, he's there in his pants. What a legend. Do you reckon he's controlling his water boy? Did you guys see the water boy? You can't blame Razzie for everything. That was Jack Nienaber saying, shouting at the water boy to leg it after the assistant referee or the whichever one it was to say it's a 50-22. So, and, and everyone's doing that, aren't they? Whenever there's a 50-22, people are all legging it, telling, shouting and telling everyone because it's a new law. That's what people do, right? Uh, but I don't but reckon... Goody, just just on his boxers though, who wears baggy boxers? <laughs> like that. That's why I thought the bush might pop out or something. Or maybe he's just got a mega bush. Maybe it's a South African thing. I always found that Australians wear pants. I mean, yeah. I, can't, I, I can't fathom wearing a pair of pants. Like, tell the wedgies that and tell the skid yeah. marks that. All I'm thinking there is Razzie's baggy boxers. No wonder he ain't got his jeans on because tell the chafe that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> wearing them. Who wears baggy boxers? Let's get on to the premiership action then. Exeter. Are they back after their win away at sale? Slady's back. Stuart Ogg's and back Hockey. as well. Yeah, Oggy, Hockey's back. Oggy was good, mate. Oggy was really good. Um, yeah, listen, they're always going to come back, Exeter, weren't they? You know, we, we spoke about it last week. Missing a few boys. They get Hoggy back in the team. Slady found some quality form again. You know, plays with the tightest of tight shorts and then even pulls them up when he kicks at goal. And he's got a lovely tan, hasn't he, Jim? He looks great. He did. He had a bit of claret as well. Not that we want to enforce claret for people to look a bit hard and a bit edgy, but nonetheless, he looked hard and edgy Yeah, with a bit of claret. Yeah, I thought Exeter were really good. And actually, when you mention it, Andrew, and we've spoken about Exeter, some idiots said they wouldn't make the top four. Of all the places you want to go, having lost two games, it's probably not up to Sale. So, And the way that Sale play. I know that Sale got a red card. Oh, my Van Ransburg, what yeah. are you doing, mate? Yeah. What are you doing, big fella? He's a big fella, so I want to say too much. But yeah, Exeter, are they back? It was a stuffy game. Um, what about Will Whitty's try? Mate, oh, it just made me think of you, Jim. Have you got that in your locker? Because he's gone off the left foot, off the right foot. He's Fluke. won the race. <laughs> he's a good lad, Will Whitty. I played with him up at Newcastle. Top boy. And oh, mate, I was really pleased for him, actually, because people are just laughing, aren't they? He charged it down. And then when you see a big guy running after the ball, you're thinking... Mate, you're never going to win the race. It's Mr. Gilmore's jacket. What is it? You're just getting ripped, aren't you? And everyone's just giggling. Whether you're watching it, whether you're on his team, the only panic is the sale boys. And then he had the touch of a 
touch of messy, basically, wouldn't it? Like, even if Brody Retallick or Jim Hamilton did that, it'd be the same. Everyone you put, would be hold on a minute. It. Are you putting yourself in the same bracket as Brody Retallick? No, I'm putting myself in the bracket of a tall, athletic second row. As in, who could be perceived as quite slow. But yeah. either way, it's been laughed at. So I don't think it's Will Witty. We're laughing about it. Let's be honest, it was an unbelievable finish. It yeah. really was. He's so, used both yeah. feet as well. Just, just to remind everyone, he's used both feet. In first touch, I think was right foot. Second touch, left foot, and it took him away from the sail chasers. Mate, it was class, absolute class. If he tried it again, absolutely no chance of him doing it. One foot, left foot, right foot, kind of thing. But it was mate, it was absolute class, and I'm really pleased for him. A couple of yellow cards and a uh, to Bath and a massive crowd at home for Bristol helped them get home in the West Country derby, didn't it? Oh, did not see, with all due respect to Bath, that performance coming, but. Hats off to them. They played very well. There's a few talking points out of that game, Andrew. You were the sighting commissioner commissioner from that game. So we'll get on to that. Let me just talk (laughs) up Bath because I thought they were really physical. I thought they played really well. Bristol and Almay Semi, who's out now, as we know, for 16 weeks or whatever it is. We had big John Afora on last week. Um, He knew. He knew that big Semi weren't coming back, let's be honest. (laughs) He he did. But he didn't tell us. He didn't tell us. But, um, Andrew, over to you, because were you sighting commissioner on Friday night? No, I reckon I'd make a hell of a sighting commissioner. You were Twitter sighting commissioner. Just Twitter reporting, mate. Um, And just give my opinion. And again, some people come back at me absolutely trying to hammer me for just giving an opinion on the facts of rugby union, ladies and gentlemen. First and foremost... Ian Tempest. I mean, shave it, shave it off. Yeah, just, just shave the head, mate. Just shave the head. I don't want to be too harsh. The first try, just that say Bristol, it. Yeah. What, what happened? What did you see? The, the first try that Bristol score, mate. Carl Dixon must be either in the biscuit tin, and I know I eat a lot of biscuits for people that say that. Oh, he's having a massive poo because there was the clearest knock on by Harry Randall, and he's not even said anything. Then they score pretty much straight away. Stephen Lewatua gets through and does the big wonder dive, the ash splash, or whatever it was doesn't even check it for the knock-on. What are you doing? You've got one job. It's clear as day, Carl Dixon. What are you doing? Go back for it. Check it. Ridiculous. So Bath get done on that. Then a bit later, they score an unbelievable try. Bath do. Ajomo, who I really like as a player, scores an unbelievable try. And Tempest blows up for a knock-on. Just as He blew it up before. The... Yeah, he blew it before, didn't he? Yeah. It was, it was a millisecond before he's put the ball down. And I think the learning are here as a referee, just let the try be scored and then you can check it. Because there was no knock on there. It's a 14-point swing. You know, Bristol shouldn't have had their try that they were given. Bath should have had one that was was disallowed because of a knock on where there was no one anywhere near the ball being knocked on. And then the try at the end, and Jim, this is your area of expertise. The driving mall, biggest crossing or obstruction you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Thank you. The it, end. It, it is. It is. But the, but this is the thing around ruggers, isn't it? There's so many of them things that you can pick up on, the little nuances. But you're right. The level of refereeing needs to be up with a level of play. Mm. And we can sit here and we can probably debate it all day long. A lot of the time it's not. But it's a difficult job to be a referee. Yeah, it is. Hence why you have the TMO. And this is the thing, Andrew, maybe... If we carry on talking about bushes and all that, this podcast will naturally come to its organic end. You know, it could it, that could happen. But you listen to the commentators, and my point being is you're picking these things up. You listen to the very top-end commentators. I think Brian O'Driscoll, was he commentating on the one on Friday? Yeah, but he missed he missed the, the crossing for the line-out. Yeah, but he got the knock-on, though. But yeah, he yeah. got it on after, 100%. after. 
and Austin's very good. And again, it's something that I've questioned whether or not it should be or shouldn't be the case, but I kind of think it should be, is that the TMO can hear the commentary and that almost influences them because obviously ex-players and high-end players pick up them things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The kind of little, little things that can influence a game. So but I'll, be, I'll be honest, I did get corrected on that because I said it last season on our podcast around the TMO can hear the live in-game commentary feed, but as soon as he is asked a question or as soon as there's something where he buzzes in, they cut all the comms so he can't hear anything else. Oh, so, so, so as soon as he gets told, can you check that for me? Yeah. It switches off, does it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's okay. what I'm told. All right. That is what I'm yeah. told. So how he hasn't checked Carl Dixon the knock-on originally, because um, they picked up on that straight away, didn't they? That there was a knock-on, and then two phases later, Bristol score. And the big one for me, and the big learning, and, it, and you know, as Pat Lamb says, you don't lose, you learn. Don't blow the whistle up if there's a try going to be scored, because we can check everything. If you blow it up before he's put the ball down, and it's literally that millisecond, then, and people are like, oh, it's a good, strong decision, you know, he's backed himself. Well, you can back yourself and make the wrong decision, which he did. Um, so I feel for Bath. They were they probably deserved to win, I think. And, you know, they didn't get the rub of the green. Stuart Hooper, you know, he wasn't happy after the game, was he? He wasn't happy. Yeah, and rightly, and rightly so. Yeah, the scrum, I think they dominated, Bristol dominated Bath a bit, but he was questioning the legality of it all. Um, but for me, it's the three big decisions. The try to Bristol that shouldn't have been, the try to Bath that should have been that wasn't, and then the the winning try from the most blatant crossing at a line-out you've ever seen in your life. So, feel for Bath. Wasn't the only place there were some big decisions. How did Leicester win that? 12-3 down, five minutes to play. Huge win of the series. Yeah, massive. Good. But, yeah, I mean, they've, they've found the bite again, haven't they? You know, you're hearing out of the camp that they've found a you know the fight inside the within the camp to come out and win these games. A couple of things, and I'll be very honest, I was delighted for Leicester. You know, I was there, the place was rocking. You know, the corporate hostility was busy. The, the, the Crumby Terrace was loud again and all that stuff. And it was like the Leicester of old. Did they deserve to win? Absolutely not. Saracens dominated the first sort of 75 minutes, really in terms of the way they played, their game management, their kicking game, et cetera, et cetera. But, and we'll come on to the point at the end, because Saracen's got, I think, a hard done by as well at the end. And yes, I said it, James, you're looking at me in absolute shock, but... No, no, I, I agree with you. But I the, agree on the on the Leicester thing with, with the bite, is that you've got to have the right tools to go to a street fight. And Leicester... I've now got that. And look, I know you, you, you've got a few more points, but I think from my perspective, Leicester and Saracens were the two bookends of my rugby career. Yeah, you know, Leicester, I've always said, gave me an opportunity, gave me a life. And, and that style of rugby that they played, that is why I love watching that style now. And as we've spoken about a few, a few times this season, albeit the third game in, is that Leicester have now got that. And they, did you see the camera angle that the... Leicester Tigers social media team have obviously taken from the crowd perspective from the Crumby where it was going around they scored the try and it was all the fans and stuff like that it took you in to the stadium which yeah. as we know is a fantastic place to play and uh, yeah I, I felt a bit emotional for them yeah. not just off that but as in everyone involved in the club of Leicester and the fans yeah and you saw what it meant afterwards like Genji and poor old Brett Deacon your mate uh, he whiplash. Got, he got absolute whiplash when Genji's given him the biggest man hug you've ever seen. So, yeah, listen, if you're delving into the, the depths of the game, I think Mark McCall will be really frustrated with himself. They're in control of the game, 12-3 up. The weather conditions were horrible. Like I was there, atmosphere was unbelievable, but you couldn't play any rugby in it. And Brett Deacon said it in, 
I think the in-game interview is better off. You're better off not having the ball in this, these situations. But it's about managing the territory, managing the field, and managing your kicking game to exert pressure on the opposition. Saracens had that in abundance, didn't they? Mark McCall will be frustrated with himself. He took Faz off with 12 minutes to go. Didn't get it at all. As the Leicester subs yeah. were just kind of coming on. Yeah. yeah. So if Genge comes on, Van Portfleet comes on, who I thought had a, a, you know, made a real difference. Freddie Stewart as well. But he took Farrell and Earl off with 10, 12 minutes to go. And maybe he's looking back on it now and going, did I need to make those substitutions? You know, did I need to... Faz is the absolute leader and he's the perfect guy in those conditions as a 10 to run the ship to get you to 12-3. Maybe Mark McCaw thought, oh, the game's done. I can just pull him off and, you know, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing. But hindsight, you know, Leicester obviously got the penalty to pull them back into losing bonus point range at 12-6. And then there is the big debate around what happened at the end. And without a shadow of a doubt, it is a penalty to Leicester for Alan Davis diving on Guy Porter and shoving him into touch once the tap, once he's on the floor. You can't do that. But, again, going back to the TMO and going back to uh, the referee, Christoph Ridley, who I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of the Saracens fans are, are very frustrated with, A, for this, what we're going to talk about now, but also, B, when he does give the penalty try, do you see him smiling? Mm. Did you see that, Jim? I saw that. No, I didn't, Andrew. No, I didn't, Andrew. No. Yeah, he's kind of smiling. And Not kind of. He has a massive grin. Yeah, it's a big old grin that he's smiling and looking down, um, which I, d- I don't think is a great look. But what the TMO, and in all the excitement, he does the right thing to check it. It's the last play of the game. He thinks there's something up. He thinks there's something that's not quite right, so he checks it with a TMO. And Alid Davis flies in, uh, and it is a penalty to Leicester. But what they don't check is what Dan Kelly does. Um, yes, he does. Forearms him on the floor. Yeah, in Is that what he's been cited for? Is that yeah. what he's been cited for? It yeah. is. yeah. So he, he what, what, what happens is, obviously Dan Kelly sees it, he's raging, thinks the game's lost, and then flies in and shoulder to the head of Alid Davis when he's prone lying on the floor. And then, so you've gone, right, the initial penalty would have been to Leicester for what Alid Davis did, but we turned it round because Dan Kelly, you've shouldered someone on the head. And then apparently Faz, after the game, and I didn't see it because I was back, in the corporate side suite, has chased the referee, is shouting at him on the field and all this stuff. About so, that about that decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, that, that's yeah. the thing, because I was going to do an Andrew Good and I was going to rewind, rewind and video it and put it on social, but I didn't want to do that. Uh, Dan Kelly's agent is my agent and he's a good lad as well and a good yeah. player. But I, I picked that up and thought, how has that not been checked? But yeah. because I am not a rugby sighting officer nor wannabe Goody, uh, I didn't maybe, put it on. Maybe, but yeah, maybe, there's, maybe there's a job there for me, isn't there? I, I don't think maybe. I think you are absolutely <laughs> the right man to do that. Jim, what's the story with the Saracens takeover? That's what it is. It's a takeover. Um, not controversial, in my opinion. I've seen a few things today. The thing, and the reason why I say that, do you know the reason why I say that line, I sound coy, is because the game at the weekend obviously Saracens versus Leicester, at the end of the game, the camera pans up and Nigel Ray's there. And it's all the talk is around Nigel Ray now just being a fan of Saracens. But that camera made it as if nothing had changed. Do you get what I mean? When you look at it in that sense. But yeah, Saracens now sold 30 million. 32, 32. Which is, oh, I, oh, it's only two mil, dude. It's two <laughs> mil, mate. Yeah, it's peanuts in your household. Um, but... The interesting thing for me is the value of the club. 
and the fact that there is people out there that are still interested to invest in rugby. Saracens are a really interesting club when you look at it from the outside. They don't have a huge fan base. They're a very successful club, as we know. They've got tarred history, as we know, with the Saracens scandal. But for me, if there was any club that was sellable and room for growth commercially, it's Saracens. North London club, they've got their own stadium, which has got huge opportunity for growth. Hasn't got their own training ground yet. You've got some of the highest profile players in the league. And I genuinely think this, when you look at the media narrative and you look at the interest in Saracens, there is a pantomime villain part of it. Mm. But I think everyone can agree that European rugby looks significantly better with the Saracens team in it. Yeah, I think when you look at it, um, there's actually this new takeover. So there's a lot of Saracen's DNA within the new consortium that's taken it over. And first and foremost, around Nigel Ray, people think he sold the club and that's it. And he's just a fan. He's not because he's still got, in his words, a significant minority in terms of the, the shareholding. So Lucy Ray's still going to be CEO. So he's got a, a significant minority, but albeit a passive one, was the words that he used. And he's he's put his heart and soul into the club, so you can only tip the slipper to him. For me, it's great to see him back. You know, the Premiership is a better league with them in it. People want to watch Saracens play and sit, you know, for, for all the success they've had. You know, it's the same when Leicester had all the success that they had. Other teams wanted to watch Leicester play because they wanted to see them beat. No one wants to see one team win everything all the time because it becomes boring. But I also think on that, Goody, is around the salary cap. And you, you just said about a team winning all the time. I think the salary cap situation that happened with Saracens has pulled the wind out the sails of rugby in terms of investment into the game, in terms of controlling how much players get paid. I am all for players getting overpaid and finding ways to do that. And I say that because for the growth of the game, I say that for the, for the, for the growth and the financial reward and the commercialization of this game. Yeah. That's I, what I, I think. I, I understand your point, but when you say the growth of the game... Do you agree? Re- no, I don't. Because you actually, you can flip that and go, well, actually, you could bankrupt the game. By carrying on that way, you're relying on... But look at football. But that's different. Football's very different, mate, because the TV deals... Basically, football. there's so much money in football now because of the TV deals around the world. So the Premier yeah, but that, League... That, but that started, that started 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? So that that momentum started twenty years ago. You know when Vinnie Jones and these lads were playing and probably not getting paid the money. You're not comparing apples with apples there. You're comparing apples with oranges because football in every country in the world, people play football. It's the biggest sport on our planet, without a yeah, shadow of a doubt. So you can't I, compare I, that. To I'm, I'm sit, yeah, but I'm sit, I'm sitting till we die. Like, I, <laughs> I know, mate. Yeah. We're third in, we're third, in, to, we're third in the champo, mate. I know. One at the weekend. I'm looking at it from a minuscule level in terms of rugby arguably arguably being on the cusp of a tier one tier two sport that's how I'm looking at it in terms of the growth it feels like now the investment in the game in players the amount of players last season that were having to back up because the squad depths weren't there the amount of rugby that's being played more rugby being played how difficult it is to consume the team along across all the broadcast rights and, and platforms. We can have this chat another time. Yeah, but, I get but, it. Uh, yeah. I get it. But the biggest word, the biggest word, it's not the biggest word in terms of the long number of letters. The word that's used the most across the world at the minute is sustainability. Rugby wasn't sustainable the way it was carrying on with clubs spending what they haven't got. So what they've tried to do is rein it back in a little bit so it becomes sustainable. So then you can grow it off the back of it. Because if it had carried on the way it was, 
we'd have lost three or four or five clubs in the Premiership without a shadow of a doubt. And then you've got a much weaker league and you've got no chance of growing the game. So it's a balance. I get it. It's a balance, though. And Northampton are three from three after they went over London Irish. What would you make of that game? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've got to remember the weather was atrocious uh, across most of the games this weekend. And um, Saints actually flew out the blocks, went 17 nil up, I think. Proctor scored a try for a lovely little kick through. And they were flying. But then Irish do what Irish have done at the start of the Premiership and have come back into it when they've gifted a 17-point lead. Not gifted, but you know, gone behind 17 nil down and fought their way back into the game and actually looked the better team in the second half. Got themselves into the lead. Uh, Parton scored a, a decent try, some good hands. And then towards the Albert Tuisui, people say it's a head, but people say it was just a coming together of two foreheads. Alex Waller was just going around trying to wind people up to get a penalty. <laughs> Me on blowbags. A coming together, a coming together of two foreheads. I thought yeah. you were going to say something else then. Yeah, but, there um, we go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Alex Waller was was sort of winding people up, grabbing, and it's all this hard thing, isn't it? The fake hard man of everyone. Stop! Don't say hard. Stop saying that. <laughs> well, it's the fake hard man. Everyone think <laughs> no one can throw a punch anymore. And then Albert Tuisui grabs him, and the foreheads came together very gently. But it is a penalty. You can't do that. He instigated just touching foreheads, and you know. <laughs> can you say something? Else? Can you say it? Well, say foreskin. Just say foreskin once. <laughs> Jim, I don't think they touched foreskins. It was foreheads. I don't either. I don't either. But I don't, when, when, when I think a coming together of four, that word just wants to slip off the tongue. Yeah. So how, how mature are we? Yeah. And listen, he, he'll be frustrated with himself. But Irish still had a couple of chances to win it. Uh, you know, Paddy Jackson goes to the drop goal. Obviously, there was the big debate around Courtney Laws' tackle. Was it no arms? I thought that was fine. Paddy Jackson, I mean, I've, I've hit worse drop goals than that, Paddy, so don't worry about it. Difficult conditions. But they checked Courtney Laws' tackle, and, and I think it's the right decision that it wasn't an illegal no-arms tackle. He was trying to wrap, but it was the right thing to do to check it, especially at the end of the game where you know, the, the result is on the line. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Well, speaking of Northampton's win over London Irish, we're going to have a chat now with a man who was right at the heart of the action in the dying stages of that one. Saints, England and British and Irish Lions forward Courtney Laws joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. Courtney, class to have you on. Uh, I know we spoke, I mean, it feels like five years ago, but during yeah. COVID, a lot's happened in your life since then. Not a lot's happened 
with mine, I'm still on Zoom. I'm still doing it remotely. <laughs> um, yeah, I, but watching it, I feel as if I've been a part of it. Uh, Courtney, let's just start with the obvious thing of, uh, around the weekend. You're damned if you go high, you're damned if you go low. Was it squeaky bum time at the weekend? I watched your tackle back, actually. When I, I watched it, I didn't think no arms. I thought it was a good tackle, but you can yeah. obviously hear, I don't know if you can hear the interaction between the ref and the TMO as that's going on. You probably can't, but were you worried when you when you made the tackle? Uh, no, I, I mean, I looked at it because I went, I went to wrap my arm and then my arm kind of gets knocked down. Um, and as soon as I feel that happen, I just know that I've got to get it through. Otherwise, I'll probably get pinged, but my arm's out. I'm not, I'm not shoulder charging or anything like that. So I knew I was, well, it's, I suppose it's down to interpretation nowadays, but that would have been a soft penalty if that only got called, I think. And what, one thing for you, Courtney, I mean, people are debating all these high tackles 24-7 now and, and how the game's changed with uh, everything like that. And people use you as an example of someone that's, how tall are you, 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, seven? Six seven, yeah. Six seven, just big, just bigger than you, Jim. To be honest, um, <laughs> um, but you're the prime example of how a big, big, tall guy at six seven can get down and smash boys low with good technique. And uh, how is it for you with this whole tackle change and and the emphasis around going much lower? Because you you seem to be fine with everything, right? Um, yeah, I think um, for the most part, I I got sighted um, at the end of. God, 2020 Six Nations or something. Um, but I got off for that because if people duck into you, essentially, you can sometimes end up making contact with the head. Uh, but I haven't, I haven't honestly changed my tackle technique since you know since the, the laws have been changing because I've always, I've always gone depending on who I'm tackling and what kind of tackle it is. I've always gone pretty low, um, and I've always been able to get my body height down, and that's that's how I how I kind of get my power through and make and make my hits naturally anyway. So I, I haven't had to change much for him. And what do you think about it, Courtney? We're not here to open you up, but Goody's question there. There's obviously a lot of talk around, like almost takes the sting out of the game a little bit, no pun intended. So obviously you make that tackle at the end of the game. Paddy Jackson goes for the drop goal, but we've seen the game stops at a halt where there's either a no arms tackle, but generally because there's a high tackle, like, how is it as a player being involved in that? I mean, it changed just as I as I retired, thankfully, because I was probably one of the highest, not hardest tacklers in <laughs> in world rugby. But is it frustrating as a player when you're going through, they're going through the framework, or do you feel like now they've managed to kind of get the right balance of, of making the right decisions? Um, I'm a bit spelling because I, I completely understand why. Uh, and I think it is important um, to take player safety and... Um, and, and try and try and make the game, especially around around brain damage and stuff, try and make it safer. But at the same time, people make mistakes. Yeah, I know, I know that they're obviously trying to they're trying to stop people from from making these kind of mistakes. But it's a game of rugby, and um, and things happen. And sometimes it's a split, not even decision. It's just uh, somebody can drop before you know it, and you end up making contact with the head or. You know, things can just happen and then you end up with a, you know, six week, four week ban or whatever. Um, and it's your first time you've done it. I think that's pretty harsh. But I understand why they're doing it. They want to they want to take head contact out of the game um, and for good reason, honestly. Um, but I, th- I think especially for like first time offenders and people that have clearly just got it slightly wrong. Um, you don't have to be so harsh on them. No, certainly not. Um, let's talk positive then. Let's talk about the start that Saints have had to the season. Three from three. Um, really good place at the minute. I know Boydie 
said after the game at the weekend it was a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card um, that you boys played. But the Premiership's so close, and loads of games that are going to go one way or the other and really tight games. But you boys are flying at the minute. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're playing pretty crap, but <laughs> we're, yeah, we're winning. Uh, no, no, honest, if I'm honest, we've we gotten quite lucky, and there's only so long we can continue to do this uh, before it catches up with, with us. But the positive thing about it is we, we have the talent in absolute spades. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that we can be the best team in the league if we can put um, our game plan together consistently um throughout the 80 minutes um and you see glimpses of it uh we're you know we're, we're so hard to stop um we've got great d at times um it's just putting it together and making sure it, it's the consistency thing for us and it has been for the last few years but um yeah that's what we need to get right let's talk british and irish lines now because you know you were one of the star players on the tour for me um you're obviously in the test series as well disappointing how was the tour for you did you kind of expect to go on it or was it a a bit of a Brucey bonus because I know there's been a few injuries previously, but first and foremost, there was a bit of drama around the call-up as well, wasn't there? Because someone had your wrong email address. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Well, a few, a few, um, yeah, a few emails got sent about, didn't they? Um, but to loads of people, um, and I, I, as far as I know, I didn't get one. So, <laughs> so I was kind of thinking, well, that either, that either means that I'm nowhere near the squad because there was a lot of people that kind of if and. If and button if they were going to get in, or I'm I'm in. Do you know what I mean? It was a kind of save the date thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I was kind of thinking I can't be that far away. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. Even though I hadn't played, but yeah, I guess I hadn't played at all. I think I played two games for Saints and um, a game off the bench and a starting game against Italy. Or I got injured again, um, and I wasn't back fit before the the Lions team got picked. So obviously I wasn't too confident in my chances, but I, I kind of knew playing South Africa and my experience that, you know, there, there was, a, there was always a chance. But I know we're going over old ground here, but there's, yeah. there's been a lot, a lot of talk after as well. And obviously we, we probably need to talk about that as well around Ian Henderson's interviews, not specifically about you, but around, like you just said, players going into the tour, arguably not on form or injured and Gatlin going with his favourites. In that first test, you were sensational. The game obviously opened up for you. You got a few good carries. You got a few a few big collisions. You're up against one of the greats in terms of a player that's transcended the game in, in Sia Khaleesi. Uh, mm. How much pressure going into that first test did you look back on the way that the tour unfolded as well? How much pressure? I didn't. I didn't feel. I didn't feel too much pressure. Like I, I'm getting. I'm getting on a bit now. Do you know what I mean? So. <laughs> um, I was quite. I was just thankful to um, be given the opportunity to to play to start, and and to be able to play, um, you know, alliance test. So I, I think I wasn't feeling too much pressure. Obviously, there was a bit of nerves and stuff, but I was quite excited to get out there and play. And I knew that I can perform um, at that level. So uh, I, I didn't have. I didn't feel like I had too much to worry about. And then off the back of it, obviously winning the first test, um, frustrations must have been pretty high after the, the third test uh, and losing the game, which could have gone either way, as could the second test at times. But um, were there, what, what was the feeling in the camp? Was there regrets about how you could have played differently or was it more a case of, you know, we were just beaten by the better team on you know the last two tests? I mean, I think personally, uh, yeah, of course, we. I think we should have won it. I think it was there for the taking, but 
rugby can, rugby can happen like that, and, and especially that last test, it was it was on it was a flip of the coin. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a couple of decisions, a um, couple of balls bouncing either way, and and that game's a completely different game. So you know, obviously we we're, we're disappointed, but again, I, I was I was happy for the chance to to be there and to go and and give everything I everything I had, and I, I thought that's what I did. So yeah, I, I wasn't too disappointed personally. But obviously, as a team, it was disappointing to lose. Yeah, absolutely, Courtney. But when you hear other players come out and bag the way that the Lions played or should have played, and again, I don't know how much of the media see and, and the stick that South Africa are getting because they kicked the ball and the way that the Lions games were played. I mean, I, I loved it, you know, but everyone's expecting that every game should be like the All Blacks are playing against France, like this style of rugby. Like, does that annoy you? Like, you've obviously been on a few tours now. You've got a good standing in the game. You play for a team, Northampton, that play a lot of rugby. You understand test match rugby. And you also understand what it t- takes to beat South Africa. Does it frustrate you when you hear and read these things? Oh, we should have done this. We should have played more, you know, with players coming out and saying that? Mm. I mean, I, I don't, to be honest, I don't I don't pay too much attention to that kind of stuff. I, I rarely read, um, you know, rugby news, any kind of rugby news, because people, you know, everyone's got an opinion. So everyone's opinion is different. So you know, give your opinion if people want to hear it. That's that's absolutely fine. No no bother with me. Uh, but it's going to go straight over my head regardless of what it is. What's your opinion on the on the way that South Africa play? Because everyone's got one. They play for their strengths. There you so go. What, what what more can you you know can you ask from them? They're a big team. They want a slow game. They want to kick the ball and they want you to knock it on so they can scrum you. <laughs> and then they want to keep touch. Amen. And then they want to maul you, but, and that's the game plan. So if you let them, if they, if you let them do it, they're going to beat you. Um, and it's up to you um, as a team to, to to change that game. I love that you say they want to scrum you, and then they kick it to touch, and then they want to maul you. That that sounds like a team that you you go pretty well in, Courtney. Eh? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like mauling or scrumming. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy anyway, mate. Being on the pitch. Uh, let's chat about England then, obviously. You know, you said it yourself earlier, you're knocking on a bit. You don't look like you're knocking on a bit when you're actually playing. I know you've had a couple of injuries that um, have kept you out, but when you're on the field, you're giving absolutely everything and you're still going around banging boys like you're 21 years of age. Is the 2023 World Cup, is that kind of on the horizon for you as as something that is you're really aiming for as, as potentially the last big hurrah? I don't want to retire you too early, but it's certainly something that everyone expects Courtney Lewis to be part of that World Cup squad. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, I, I honestly don't feel, even though I'm, I'm getting getting on a bit, I, I feel like I'm still improving. Um, I still feel like I've got um, a bit left to give, um, and I think I think that's important. And I hundred percent want to make it to the World Cup, um, and and I, I want to be playing my best rugby when I get there. To be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And what about away from the pitch, Courtney? Like I mentioned earlier, we we had a bit of a chat during lockdown over Zoom. And I think it's great. We're hearing more players with opinions. We're seeing more players in the media showing uh, the characters. Obviously, Genji doing his thing um, in podcasts in the media world. But captain in Leicester, obviously, Marla does his thing. Um, You know, again, when we spoke, been really intrigued by how much you've put yourself out there uh, with some of your opinions is the media in this kind of world that we seem to think that we're in good (laughs) is a world that you want to enter in with your profile and and your your opinions and your views on the world and life after rugby you're going to try and tie the two together or is it head down and 
wait and see what happens. Uh, yeah, for the minute, it's definitely head down, wait and see what happens. I mean, I've kind of, yeah, I got in the mix for a bit there and then I was like, I ain't got time uh, to be out sitting on Twitter all day. <laughs> I've got four kids, mate. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mrs. is pulling the hair out. So I was like, yeah, I literally haven't got time to be arguing with numpties on Twitter all day. So, um, yeah, maybe when the kids are a bit older and they don't need so much attention and that, then I'll, I might get back into it. But for the minute, I'm, I've just got no time. No time for it. It's a good way to be, mate. Yeah, it certainly yeah. is. Um, you've done some work uh, with the Centre for Social Justice as well, uh, the Think Tank. Yeah. And, you know, you're pretty strong on your views. How's all that gone? And is that something that you obviously want to grow as, you know, time goes on? And you said you're a father of four there, setting an example for the kids and being, you know, obviously back in your own ideas how important is that to you yeah definitely but it's very important to me and I'll, I'll continue to work with them um kind of in the background i just basically help um you know push anything um i agree with that they're doing uh, or give them my opinions on things that, that they want to they want to talk about yeah and, and just just help them out helping out in general yeah very keen to do my bit for uh, especially my northampton community and stuff um, as my as my career comes to an end and I and I get less busy, so yeah, mate, it's it's exciting and I I look forward to working with a lot of people and helping young people, especially um, you know maybe change their outlook on life and and and, and help them uh, push them forward. Nice. And last question for me: uh, What's the wheels you're driving at the minute? I love hearing about boys driving different cars. I've heard a nice room about yours, mate. Talk, talk to me. <laughs> Uh, I got a Bentley. Hey, Ooh. there we go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The contrast at 33 <laughs> at Saracens. I don't know if the the masses have told you. My last car was a Ford Mondeo, aka the Ford Mondingo. So <laughs> that was me. That was me trying to stay humble. But I would have much preferred a Bentley. Good on you. There you go. What a legend. All right, Courtney. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Best of luck for the rest of the season, the Autumn Internationals, and 2023. Hopefully, we see you playing your best rugby in the, in France in a couple of years, mate. Awesome, mate. Cheers. Much appreciated. Cheers, Courts. Class, Courtney. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks, mate. No worries, guys. Take care. Top, Top lad. Yeah. He's hard as well. In your prime, Jim, against Courtney Laws, who's winning the street fight there? Well, there's different types of hard, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> Go on. It, He's driving a Bentley and I'm yeah. driving a Ford Mondeo. <laughs> All I'm saying is when you get that comfortable, do you really, really want to win that street fight? Probably not is what I'm saying. If you're scraping the barrel like my good self, Jim Hamilton, you're fighting for your life, Andrew. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But no, um, I watched him hitting players when he came on. And that's the thing. It, he's always, he did hit a bit high. He hit scrum halves and stuff like that. Uh, which obviously, which you could do, and you were obviously blitzing them, blindsiding them, and that was his thing. But I think the way he evolved his game over the last four or five years, uh, in terms of his tackle technique, his forward shots, um, the way that he was carrying the ball, made deserve to be on the Lions tour. And, yeah. you know, he's a lovely lad as well. I spoke to him, I don't know if I mentioned it, uh, during COVID uh, and lockdown there. So I like the fact that he puts himself out, out there. He's obviously made a tactile conscious move to not put himself out there as much but we want to hear what Courtney Laws is saying yeah you know what I mean if, if yeah. Courtney speaks we listen and we I do listen, listen. Yeah, I think everyone should listen as well he's a you know he's a tough boy that you know he's had a hell of a career and you know he's he's 
he's very grounded, even though he's got a Bentley, he's very grounded in where he's come from, what he's done, what he's achieved and his, his outlook on the world. So uh, yeah, top bloke, really top bloke. Well, before we move on from Northampton, we need to give a shout out to England's women who are heading to Cinch Stadium at Franklin Gardens this autumn. They'll be facing New Zealand as part of their Autumn International Series on Sunday, November the 7th. Tickets are on sale and starting at 15 quid for adults and 5 quid for juniors. Visit northamptonsaints.co.uk forward slash red roses to buy your tickets now let's round up the rest of the premiership action now then what well, wasn't the best game was it uh, newcastle wasps uh no again if there's any place that you don't want to go to when the weather's abysmal um it's up in newcastle at uh, kingston park it was a it, yeah, it was a real scrappy game uh there was a, a contentious red card tom penny which dean richards has gone pretty wild about in the press jimmy gopper's holding his leg in a ruck he's trying to force his way off uh, Jimmy Gopper, by pushing him, he's pushed him three or four times. And the last time he's pushed him, he's ended up pushing him in the face and a finger's gone in, in his eye. So um, he gets sent off for that. If you're holding someone in a ruck when they're trying to get out, for me, I think the way you get rid of that is just yellow card that person. So Stamp on. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that, Jim. So the initial penalty, the initial instigator is Jimmy Gopper holding Tom Penny on the floor when he's trying to get out. And, you know, there's that little d- horrible niggle in the game, isn't there? So What they should to- do with that, no, they should, what the, the, look, not stamping, but the scars on my hands of when you're holding people in, if you get six studs, old school, on the upside of your hand with a rotation, it ain't nice. <laughs> it ain't <laughs> nice. No. Maybe that's the only thing they should bring back, is just allowing that, the rotation of six studs on another man's <laughs> or another human being's hand. And then that will stop. No, I don't think that's the case. Too. No, they might not. No, they might not do it, yeah. You know, there's a question around whether Viper Fita should have got sent off uh, for a high shot. Um, <laughs> I'm loving I'm loving this. <laughs> you know, it was a weekend of drama, wasn't it? But then Wasps will be kicking themselves, literally, and Dan Robson... Uh, who is a wonderful player. We've talked to him a hell of a lot on the podcast, but unfortunately, when you've had the shocker that he's had with a minute to go, you've got to, you've got to mention it. Wasps were winning the game. A minute to go, they're in Newcastle's 22, and they've got a turnover, so they're in the 22. All they've got to do is play out about 60 seconds. So set a pod up, pick and go, stay legal, boot the ball out, you win the game. You're going back from the cold northeast back to Wasps, back to Coventry, back to your luxurious home, just overlooking the Coventry Canal with four points in the bag. No, 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 no. For some reason, Dan Robson gets the ball from the bottom of the rock, fires out a 20-metre pass to Jacob Umaga around his feet. He doesn't really control it or anything. Newcastle pick it up, go the length. Three or four phases later, Callum chicks through and scores a winning try. So Wasps have only got themselves to blame for, for that, but it was a horrible, scrappy game and, you know... To me, Newcastle won, and I play for Newcastle as well, so that's okay. Jim, you would have been pretty happy to see Adam Hastings pulling the strings, playing a blinder for Gloucester at Worcester. Not only because the Timberland boot is up for grabs <laughs> in a few boots. weeks' time. Boots. Two boots. A boot. I said boot. I'm sure yeah. I said boot. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, yeah, I'm happy for Gloucester. Under a lot of pressure going into that third game, having lost two games, Back-to-back, we said at the beginning of the season that Gloucester had a tough run with Northampton first up and then Leicester at home. Uh, They played well against Leicester last week uh, in terms of physically they were in the game. So they were under huge pressure going to Worcester. They got some of the boys back in terms of Chris Harris, who came on, scored a try. Thought Woodward looked 
awesome at 15. Yeah, he was great. Uh, Adam Hastings, is he the answer to take Gloucester up? Obviously, having lost Cipriani, I'm a big fan of his. Played really he's well. He just leaned up. He did play really well. He's yeah. just leaned up. So I'm looking at him, I'm like, he's a lot smaller than he was. But he looks unbelievable on Instagram. So I don't know <laughs> what's what. But from a Gloucester perspective, that's normally bogey monsters. Going to Worcester, local derby, must-win game normally for Worcester because out of all the derbies, if you look at the Southwest teams, Bath, Bristol's, Exeter, Gloucester's obviously the closest, but also the one which Worcester in recent years have won that game. So yeah. in terms of the context of the season and my season, it was uh, great to see Gloucester get a win. It's a tale of the two fly halves for me. Uh, obviously, Hastings starting his first game in the Premiership for Gloucester. Played exceptionally well. Unfortunately for Owen Williams, who we've talked up, I think he's a really good player. He got injured early on. I think he snapped his hamstring pretty badly by the sounds of it. Uh, kick goal. He did, um, he's not had luck, has he? No. And he, you know, he's 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 gonna, was going to be or is going to be the guy that is a real fulcrum for Worcester's attack um, and leadership. And he goes off. Obviously, Adam Hastings, his first start, he was immense. Woodward was great, and and then Ted Hill get sent off towards the end. But it was it was I think it was twelve nine to Gloucester with about twenty minutes to go, and you've lost your main ten. Um, Billy Searle got simbined for Worcester, and Gloucester turned the screw. A couple of good tries from kicks. Woodward, ridiculously good. So, yeah, there's a lot of Gloucester fans coming up me on social media for saying they're going to finish bottom. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased they got the victory. Well, well, should we move on? Should we take a break from the code and play a little game? Guess the go at. Please. Oh, yes. Please. Yes. Whose go is it? It's my mine, go. It? No, it's my go this week. It was yours last week because then I guessed Andy Goo, didn't I? Because Andy Rowe actually oh, went, yeah, 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 it's controversial. Yeah. Well, you, you went, it's controversial. I'm like, oh, controversial. People call me the go-out. I've had it on my Instagram today. People call me the go-out just because I went to a spin class. But that, hey, that's just life. That's just life. I think now, Andrew, that this is going to be the, one of the easiest ones. I'm looking really? at Andy Rowe. I, I, I'm just thinking he's he's panicking because of last week. <laughs> I am panicking. So I think I've got it. I think I've got it before it's even started. Okay. Uh, let, what I'll do is let me write it down, who I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go. Tom Brady. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Mail. <laughs> yes. Uh, football. No. Rugby union. No. Cricket. No. NFL. No. Why are you Bo- looking down? Boxing. No. F1. Oh, no. Golf. No. Jesus. Uh, NBA. Yes. Oh, NBA. Uh, LeBron James. No. Oh. Uh, what uh, do you mean, LeBron James? Shaquille O'Neal. No. Yes, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Black Mamba. <laughs> wow, wow, we. How, how have you not got the greatest oh, of all times? It best be who I'm about to say. It is, it's frightening because I'm there. As soon as he says it, I'm thinking, and I've got a checklist in my mind, Andrew. Anyway, how do you feel? It's not about me, it's about you at the minute. How well, if, it, if, it's, if it's not the Black Mamba, then I don't know who it can be. It's, it's Michael Jordan. It's Michael Jordan. Oh, I didn't even think. Didn't even think about it. What do you, you mean? Like, as in, it's the greatest of all time. Yeah, the goat. I don't know, man. I didn't even think. I haven't watched that. I'm not into basketball, so. I literally uh, Googled greatest sportsman of all time just so there could be no arguments today. Yeah, and that, that came I didn't up, even think. So. Didn't even think. There we go. Jim, what did you write down? 
Tyson Fury. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but that isn't my answer. My answer is Michael Jordan. Yeah, I bloody love this game. Well it is done, so Jim. much easier on the other foot. But it no, is, I love it? how you have prepped by writing different sports down. My answer this week. That's to write sports down. Because I'm like, oh, it is the panic, isn't it? But basketball, I, mate, basketball, that ain't me. Most other but, sports. But it's not, it's not even basketball. I don't watch basketball, but he's the greatest sportsman of all time. He is, he is in that. Well, let's dial it back to the URC. Jim, what's been going on, mate? Glasgow, big win for them. Well, both the Scotland teams are playing very well. Uh, but if we start on Glasgow... Hold on. Again, Edinburgh well, got hosed by Benetton. Carry uh, on, Jim. Well, an 85th minute <laughs> drop goal by an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid. Glasgow, fair play to them. Beat the Sharks at home and... I think they had a bonus point before half-time. Either way, they look comfortable. Let's just clear it up. It was the Sharks' fourth team, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, this is the hard thing about it, Goody, because all the hysteria around the URC has been around the South African franchises yeah. coming in. And, and you look at the... You know, you look at their two... They're all big teams. The Stormers got hammered in Munster. Yeah. Uh, the Sharks, we're just chatting about Glasgow there, got well beat. You know, they did get hammered. I mean, if Glasgow didn't take the foot off the, the pedal... It could have arguably been more, but the Bulls got spanked in Connacht. That's what I mean. So it's tough, and they're in the bubble, and it's new to them, new competition. Like Goody said, they're not full noise with their players. When will they have all the Springboks available? Well, th- this is the big chat around the URC and the excitement around the South African teams because the autumn tests are up next, aren't they? Yeah. So they ain't playing till January. Yeah, and then they might need to be rested. Well, and that's the thing. So, so if you think about the tale of a South African rugby player that plays for any of these provinces, normally they, their end of season is the autumn internationals, isn't it? Mm. And then mm. normally Super Rugby doesn't start till the end of Jan. So I don't think they, these South African players will be playing in the URC, the internationals, until the end of Jan, really, because they'll have to give them a break. They've, they've had such an intense six months, really, haven't they, with the Lions, then the Rugby Championship... Last thing they want to do is go and play the Dragons away at Rodney Parade or whatever it's called now today on a wet Friday night in Wales. All you're thinking about is the night out in Cardiff, to be honest. Hell of a night, but yeah, hell of a night. But it's with the travel as well, isn't it? Like we've just yeah. spoken about there. But if you look at the Connaught scoreline on Friday, no disrespect to Connaught, it's a tough place to go and play in Galway at any time of the year. But hell of a night the balls, out there, there. I mean, the night out. I mean, you're talking about go at, so that'd be in the top three or four. <laughs> exactly. But 34 points to seven. Is an absolute slipper, and it's not 50, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing you talked about Glasgow, very good, and Edinburgh, fair play to Benetton, and a, a drop goal by Leonardo Mourinho um, at the end, and Benetton win it. But there's some exciting games that matter in the, in the championship. I mean, Where? poor Newport, Newport Gwent Dragons, mate, against Where? Leicester, that mattered, <laughs> that mattered to Luke Narraway, the recycler. <laughs> And just talking to all our South African listeners here, you're going to see Dwayne Vermeulen pull on an Ulster jersey way before you see any of the South Africans play for any of their provinces. So he'll be earning his massive coin over here pretty quickly, I think. All right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, a few bits of good this week. Uh, We're going to start off in France, and I mentioned them last week. Toulouse roll on. They're five from five after beating Biarritz at the weekend. Uh, so tip the slipper to them. Connacht are going to get a mention over in Ireland. Uh, they hammered the Bulls, as we just spoke about, 34 points to seven. Uh, big shout out to those boys. Uh, Benetton, 
Jim mentioned it. They absolutely dominated hashtag always Edinburgh, 28 points to 27. Uh, they're actually two from two Benettons. That's why they're in the good. Uh, they didn't dominate always Edinburgh, but they beat them. And fair play to Leonardo Marine, 19-year-old uh, who dropped the goal to win it for Benetton. So hashtag always Edinburgh come back to Scotland with their tails between their legs, James. Bring back hockey. Leonardo Marine. Let's bring, say O. I like the O at the end. Yeah. Bring Marino. Back, bring mm. back hockers. That's all I'm saying. What else is good? Ben Moon. Played his 200th Premiership game at the weekend for Exeter Chiefs. Uh, so a massive shout out to him. We'll stay in the Exeter bubble. Not that they're in a bubble, but we'll stay with Exeter Chiefs, Chief Chiefs, because Will Whitty's got to get a mention for that skill. The charge down, the chase, the hack on with the right, the hack on with the left. The dribble was unbelievable. Lionel Messi-esque. Uh, so Will Whitty gets a mention in the good this week. That was the game clincher for Exeter, so well done to him. Uh, we're going to go further up north now, and we're going to go to Newcastle. Callum Chick of the Falcons. Uh, it was a scrappy game, horrible game. Uh, he scored the winner at the end, but he made over 100 metres ball in hand, James. We mentioned them earlier. Saints and Leicester Tigers, both three from three. Leicester top of the league. Saints as well, three games, three victories. So big shout out to those boys. Uh, Adam Hastings gets his first start for Gloucester. And dominates the Cherry and Whites to lead them to their first victory of the season. So well done to Adam Hastings. Uh, what else was good? Two bits, both from South Africa. First bit, Lacan Yoam. What an offload. Absolutely ridiculous. Round the back, under pressure for Diolande's try. Lacan Yoam looks like the coolest cucumber out there. But the goo this week, it's not going to Razzie for dancing in his pants. But it's going to the South Africans as, as a general collective. They're back to number one in the world. They beat the All Blacks in an incredible game over in Australia. They've answered a lot of critics. They had a tough time, but watching that game was unbelievable. So the goo this week goes to the Springboks. Error. Uh, the bad. A few bits of bad. We're going to stick with the South African theme. And we've just mentioned it. The South African provinces played four, lost four this weekend. Pants down all over the place. So they get a mansion in the bad. Uh Jack Nienaber, he's going to get a mention as well because apparently he admitted to asking the water boy, water boy, to chase the assistant referee at the touchline and to shout at him to tell him it should be a 50-22. So that gets a mention in the bad this week. What else was bad? Uh, we're going to mention wasps in the bad this week, James. Well, I, how can I argue with that, really? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we're just going to put their last minute of rugby union from the game at the weekend uh, in as the bad. The ball was in the Falcons 22 and you've managed to lose the game from there, guys. So frustrating for Lee Blackett and Wasket. I mentioned the bad this week. What else was bad? Albert Tuisui lost his head a little bit, pushed his forehead. Two foreheads came together, Jim. Not four skins, two foreheads came together. Here's an Alex Wallers, uh, which gave a penalty away to lose the game. So that was pretty bad. But the bad this week goes to Oh My Semi. I am absolutely devastated that Oh My Semi Randrandra is out for four months, 16 weeks. He's had a knee op. He did it in the sevens, playing for Fiji, winning the gold medal. People want to see Semi in the premiership. Semi gives people a semi in the premiership, doesn't he, Jim? So the bad this, this week, unfortunately, goes to Semi Randrandra for being out for four months with a knee injury. Uh, ugly, couple of bits of ugly this weekend, uh, and it's all based around... Red cards, really. Of course um, it is. Of course it has is. has to be. Uh, Ted Hill, we mentioned that earlier, lifting a player and dumping in to the ground. Uh, Lloyd Evans head first into the ground. I know there's a bit of conjecture around, did he get kicked first? But straight red card for me, that was pretty bad. Tom Penny getting red carded, finger in the eye. I didn't think it was that bad. More unfortunate, but it doesn't look very good, so it gets a mention in the ugly. Joe Takori, have a look at this tackle if you get a chance. 
Big high shot on Roman Rufanak, uh, nearly taking his head off in the top 14 for Toulouse against Biritz. But the ugly this week goes to Rohan Yancey van Rensburg's tackle on Harvey Skinner, flying out the line, out of control, absolutely slippers him on the floor, and then runs back into the defensive line and doesn't even worry about him. Gets a red card, looks shocked. It's a red card all day long, Jim. So the ugly this week goes to Rohan Yancey van Rensburg's tackle. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you, Jim? I've got a big shout-out to the Parachute Regiment. They're raising money to get elite soldiers and their families out of Afghan and back to the UK. They managed to get about half out during the evacuation back in August, but there's still a lot to do and there's still a lot of people left in Afghanistan and are still in danger. Obviously, we don't want to get political and get involved in all that, but it's come from a good source who's trying to do good things and obviously the British military, as well as other military organizations are doing great things across the world but they're raising money via the crowdfunder it's crowdfunder.co.uk slash support our afghans uh, they've raised about 50 percent of their target but any help from us at the podcast and the millions of listeners would be greatly appreciated so a big shout out to everyone in the military doing good things you're here thanks jim thanks goody thanks producer tristan and thank you very much for listening don't forget to check us out on youtube as well and make sure you've subscribed on spotify Rugby spot. Spotted pod, 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 pod. <laughs>